Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. Now from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Have you seen the Lady Grizz soccer poster? For the year, yeah, where they're they're in the stands and they're all in they're all masks, so dishes. far apart from, yeah, 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 you can't, yeah. I don't know why it just makes me smile. I just think that they are such a great team. Chris Chudovitsky's doing such a good job, man. He is. He's doing a great job. And I think that this photo is, is really good. He just put it on Twitter. That's what made me think of it. But having Claire Howard, the best goalkeeper in the Big Sky Conference, at the very top holding the ball up is, is very symbolic for what uh, is the key to their success. So, um, Bummer for them, they don't get to compete this fall. But yeah. uh, I think that they'll certainly be... I mean, they were picked to win the league. And that's actually funny because, as we know in soccer, oftentimes the best teams don't win the league. Right. This was actually, I think, the first time they'd been picked to win the league in, in like a decade plus. But even though they've won it, it even the last won, two years, Even though right? they've won the league multiple times, yeah. exactly. So uh, it, it was interesting to see how they handle expectations. But he, he Davisky returns a stacked roster. So uh, that's something that I'm actually really excited to cover when it comes back because... I haven't covered soccer in a little while. And, and, you know, the one part that's so great about soccer, you know exactly how long it's going to last. You might go, and you're a sports reporter, you might go to a baseball game, you're writing on deadline. I mean, you might have to send the first five innings worth of, of stuff <laughs> to get, get in the newspaper because it ain't over. Yeah. Where soccer's like, it's over. It's, this minutes. is going to take 100 minutes of my time, yeah. and then I go write yeah. a quick story. Unless there's an good. OT involved, but sure. even that, you know even what that, it's going to be. Exactly. Uh, I, by the way, we uh, took, you know, the start of the year pictures, you know, just on your phone and stuff at your house. And For we, your children? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And we had the girl, for a couple of them, put a mask on 
they don't obviously need to wear a mask at home, but for the for the I don't know if the symbolism is what it is, but just for the memory of this is what was happening at this very moment in time. You know what I mean? And hopefully in, you know, 20 years, you're looking back at your, you know, kids' photos and you go, oh, man, how about that 2020? What a thing that was. Uh, anyway, so I know we're all hoping for it. Uh, 22-16, by the way, now as they play in the first quarter, the Heat up six, 4.43 left in that uh, first period. An update from yesterday's show. Yes. Um we talked about a couple of the former Grizz and Bobcat athletes that had passed away. Uh, Larry Odie, the former Grizz baseball player, he died at 74. Tom Duffy, former Montana State basketball player, who died in a helicopter accident fighting a fire right. at the age of 40. And then Herb Fernandez, former Grizz D end. Uh, and I had told you that I had read a couple of posts from mutual friends of ours, uh, and there was no real um, – they hadn't revealed the cause of death, but it sounds like Herb had a – really rare autoimmune disease. Mm. He's married to, I believe, a gal he met in Missoula, college sweetheart, and they have three children. And so if you search on Facebook, there's a GoFundMe for his family. Mm-hmm. So um, I know Eric Tabor, the SID yeah. at Montana, uh, tweeted that out as well. Yeah, yeah, it was a huge outpouring because, like I said on the show yesterday, he's a tremendously positive guy. I mean, he won the Pat Norwood Award, which is – in my mind, one of the most important awards for the Grizz. I mean, there's always the golden helmet for the hardest hitter and the offensive MVP, the defensive MVP. Those are awesome. Those are based on merit and accomplishment. But the Pat Norwood Award goes to the guy who best exemplifies Grizzly values, like the most inspirational player, as you were. And Herb Fernandez was that guy. You know, I mentioned that he he was good friends with Trey Young, former Big Sky MVP safety. And uh, if you want to know what Herb was all about, go go search Trey Young's Facebook if you can get on there and read his, his tribute to Herb because I thought it summed up Herb perfectly. And, uh, you know, thoughts go out to his, him and his family, but also all his friends, man, because there there's a lot of guys that played on that 2001-2002 teams with Herb that are still around Missoula. So yeah. uh, I know this was a shocking one. I talked to John Casper from the Big Side Conference the other night. Yeah, he was covering the Grizz at the time. And, yeah. and he was like, man, that was one of my favorite kids I ever covered. He was so nice, so such a great, happy guy. And so it's just a bummer because, you know, it sounds like he wasn't something that was that public, and he kind of just went quick. And uh, definitely gone too young, man, 40 years old. That's tough. Uh, Coulter, thank you for uh, the update there. Uh, appreciate that. And if you can uh, participate in that, please, please do. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Uh, it is Wednesday in the 5 o'clock hour on Wednesdays. We do a little thing called the ESPN Roundtable. We'll have a conversation uh, with uh, somebody from the for- sports world. And this week, it's the head coach of the Montana State Bobcat football team, Jeff Choate. Had a chance to catch up with him earlier on today. One little piece of FCS news to lead into this interview. Yes. So we actually didn't uh, get to ask about this because it had not been um, released. But uh, Stats Perform, the number one uh, national outlet that covers FCS football, they released their preseason All-American team today, although there's not going to be much of yeah. uh, a chance to affirm those. But five grills on the team, Samari Torre, Jace Lewis, and uh, Matt O'Donoghue, the long snapper. Those three guys on the first team, Robbie Houck, Malik Flowers, uh, kicker term Malik Flowers on the second team for the Grizzlies. And then the Bobcats. Uh, third team, All-American selections for offensive lineman Lewis Kidd and uh, defensive end Buck and Amandre Williams. Very good. Thank you, Coulter, for that as well. So with that, enjoy our ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls with the head coach, the Montana State Bobcat football team, Jeff Choate.
We go now to the Range Brothers RV phone line and uh, welcome in the head coach of the Uni- of Montana State University's football team, Jeff Choate. Coach Choate, thanks so much for being here. Uh, obviously, uh, an interesting you know space of time here where you're back in school and you have some practice time, but you don't have games that you're preparing for. What are you doing with the team right now with the time that you do have together? Yeah, a little Freudian and slip there at the beginning. I, I don't think I, I thought you were going to tell me I was working in Montana. We'll like, we'll what? we'll edit that out. We'll edit so, that out. It's yeah. pre-record. It's all good. <laughs> I, you know, I know where you guys brought it better, bettered up there. You know, but but you know, if you come to Bozeman, we're about ready to grow past Missoula. So you might want to think about having a blueprint down here too. We'll see what we could do. Uh, you know, I'm I'm open. I'm a, if I can afford a house or maybe even a trailer in Bozeman, then I might I might think about making the move. I don't think Missoula's Missoula's about the same, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 going sideways here too. So anyway, um, get back to the actual question. Sorry about that. Got off track. Um, so it's it's an interesting time in that we really don't even have a landmark for a what does the spring season look like yet? So there's no date that you're working towards. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to provide some stability in terms of our kids' schedule, our routine, because that was the thing that was so difficult for them throughout the course of the summer is, hey, we're up, we're down, we're out with COVID, we're in again, you know, and it was very difficult for them to kind of find their flow. And so what we kind of committed to was, while the weather's good outside, about the first month, we're going to do everything outside. We're not going to get into the weight room. You know, we can do a lot of, things outside that are physical conditioning type things. We can get in some practice time um, and we can do some team building like we did this morning. And so uh, that's kind of what we're doing is keeping the routine and the, uh, or the, uh, the schedule the same and then kind of changing the stimulus so nothing gets too stale. And then starting on the 14th, we'll kind of go into about a six-week um, training block in the weight room. And that's kind of pending what the football oversight committee does because they may come out with some version of fall spring ball type of thing um, and, and when we don't know what that looks like yet. So right now our job is to keep the, the, the schedule the same for these guys, change the stimulus, keep it fresh, have a little bit of fun, do a little bit of ball. Um, but we're only going three days a week right now. We're going Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday until we get to the 14th. A story I wrote yesterday for Skyline Sports uh, was just about North Dakota State scheduling this game on October 3rd and how that sort of sends them into in-season mode up until that game and allows them quite a bit more practice time than what the regulations are for the teams like you guys that aren't playing this fall. What do you think of that dynamic? Is that a big advantage that NDSU has? Absolutely. And, and, and that's what's so frustrating about what we've done here is we've allowed everybody to – it's kind of every man for himself, you know. And so um, not only for um, not only for, for uh, North Dakota State but for Central Arkansas, Austin P. Jacksonville, some of these other FCS programs that are playing. What I really wanted us to do was to move in unison as a, as the FCS level. Hey, we're all doing this. We're all either going to play, we're not going to play. And that kind of frustrated me, to be honest with you, that the Big Sky presidents decided that we couldn't play non-conference games. Because I think there's places like, like Montana and Montana State where we would have liked to have done that, and we can do it, I think, even if we got to go travel somewhere to do it. And who knows where we're going to be at in another month, month and a half. And so, um, yeah, it, it's it's totally, quite honestly, it's kind of absurd how we're going about doing this, where it's just everybody do whatever you want, you know. But, yeah, hey, North Dakota State getting a month and a half of practice, yeah, that, that that's not good. We didn't get spring ball. We didn't get any, you know, we got four practices in August before we shut it down. So you're right on, man. It's, it, it's, it's not equitable, and it makes no sense to me. Either we're all playing by the same set of rules or we're not. 
And then, Coach, so am I hearing it correct, too? You don't even have the option to schedule a game if you wanted to, if, if you and Leon and even in uh, Wadad were able to get together and do that. This is a mandate that's that's conference-wide, that there will be no games in, in the non-conference this fall? That's what I, I received an email basically indicating that the, um, the original – uh, the original recommendation was that they would allow teams to play some non-conference games if they had the capability to do that. And then the presidents got back together and, and essentially said, no, hey, we're all going to be playing by the same set of rules in the Big Sky Conference, meaning that nobody's going to play uh, so that nobody gets a competitive advantage over one another. And yet here, now we're going to have the Missouri Valley that's going to maybe do one here. You're going to have the Southlands. You're going to have uh, the Ohio Valley. You're going to have all these other conferences that are actually doing that. And so it's a mess. And, and uh um, it's going to be difficult for us to think to get back on track. I don't know how you say, yeah, you can go practice football. The only way to get better at football is by playing football. And so it's really tough, and it's going to be really tough, I think, uh, for places that uh, could do it, which I think we could have done it. I really believe that. I mean, I know there's still some restrictions both in Missoula County and Gallatin County, but I think if, we just, if we'd have gotten to October and left that door open, we could have done it. And, uh, and this, this mandate that the presidents of the Big Sky decided was I – mean, I understand why they did it because there's a lot of places where they weren't going to be able to do it. But it's still frustrating. No question. On Friday night, two FCS teams – I guess Saturday night, two FCS teams squared off. Austin P, a team you guys played last year in the playoffs against Central Arkansas. Did you get a chance to watch the FCS kickoff? Heck No. I got better things to do on a Saturday night than watch that. <laughs> well, no, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this, Jeff. You didn't. You didn't miss any. You didn't miss anything because um, you could tell that the guys. It hadn't been the same training regimen leading up to it. You could tell guys were rusty. They weren't. Didn't look like they were in as good a shape. There was no flow. I mean, two thousand people in a twenty-five thousand person stadium. It wasn't great. So. Um, I guess I was exchanging. Texts. I made the right choice. Is that what you're telling me? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. You you made the right choice for sure because <laughs> I was exchanging some texts with some coaches around the Big Sky, and they were all saying same thing. The motion and the 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 uh, atmosphere of college football is so important to the kids in the game. So I was just I, I, to me, it reaffirmed how important it is to play in front of fans. So I mean, do you think that's part of the ultimate goal for for your program and other programs that do have uh, that sort of uh, atmosphere that that exists? Is, is getting back to the point where you can play in front of people? I think not just from the standpoint of the players' experience, but from the athletic department survival. I mean, let's, you know, that's, that's, there's a reality there that I think that people are aware of, but we don't talk about as much. And, um, we have to, Montana state has to play football in front of fans. Montana has to play football in front of fans. There's some programs in the big sky that are so heavily subsidized by the state that that's not necessarily true, but in our particular instances, it is. Jeff Choate joining us, Montana State head football coach on the ESPN roundtable. And, Coach, we know that uh, things like recruiting have also taken a very different turn, and I know you're doing a lot of remote stuff and kind of walking kids on Zoom calls around campus and things like that. But I know for you and your program, you're, you're very invested in the types of people that you get, the, the, the person, the personality, and so on with these kids. Do you think that there's going to be – how difficult is it to assess that stuff remotely without being able to be in person? And do you think that there's potential where you could have, uh, you know, get a kid on campus and go, whoa, this isn't quite what we thought it was going to be? I think there's always that possibility. Uh, it certainly isn't an exact science. Uh, you're going to have misses from time to time. And there's going to be things that aren't the right fit once you actually kind of get boots on the ground for an extended period of time for those kids. 
And so that's why, you see, like, in our situation, we shifted to basically really um, honing in and valuing the in-state recruits. That was our premium, you know, because those were kids that we had been around. They'd been to our camps as underclassmen. They'd been on our campus as underclassmen. And, uh, and, and we knew more about them. We knew their coaches. We knew their families in some instances. And it was just easier for us to kind of take that leap of saying, yeah, I think this guy's going to fit what we're all about here at Montana State. And so that was, a, that was a conscious decision that we made kind of back in March when this whole thing started to turn south. And then the other piece is, you know, I talk to guys all the time, and there's a lot of coaches that are saying, we're not going to bother with recruiting a bunch of high school kids this year. We're just going to recruit off the portal because there's, a, there's still this transfer rule that's hanging over everybody's head that's going to, you know, cause a kind of a purge uh, sometime in January. And so there's, there's, uh, there's some folks that are choosing to just kind of hang in there and add talent and depth to their roster through the portal. And so, um, you know, we made a choice not to do that. We have 16, 17 commits right now. And uh, that's probably where we got to stand pat for a little bit. And so that's uh, until we know kind of what the, what the model is going to be when we get to next fall, because this is a zero year in terms of eligibility for everybody in the program. Uh, I think everybody realizes we're not going to be able to carry that many scholarships. I know you can't talk about specific recruits, but in general, do you feel like the state of Montana is, uh, it seems to me from a broad perspective that it's, it's better than it has been a lot of really good talent in the state. What's your evaluation just overall of high school football prospects in the state of Montana this year? Yeah, I, I would agree with that assessment. And I think, you know, in my going into my fifth year here, whatever that's going to look like, uh, you know, there's been some really good years and then there's been some kind of some lean years. And I think this is one of those really good years. I think there's a, there's more, uh, FCS Division One type football players, body types, etc., in the state than on an, on an average year. I'd say, and an average year, you're probably looking at, you know, quite honestly, between six and ten at the most. Uh, whether that be guys that are fulls, that are partials, and then you, you know, you're gonna take some, you're gonna take some reaches on some guys because you believe in who they are, um, and usually they make you look right because if they're not, if they are who you think they are, they're gonna they're gonna overachieve. And then this year, I would say, you know, you could make an argument that there's as many as 15 guys, uh, 16, 17 even maybe. So, and, and who knows? And the kid, these kids are actually getting to play some football, so they're, they're going to get some senior film that other people aren't. So I do, I do believe, I think your assessment's correct, that this is a better year than the average year in Montana. You know, Jeff, you used to be a high school coach for many years, and then you've been, you know, to the highest reaches of college football as well in your coaching career. Would you look around the state at the high school level how good a job, or what are the strengths that you would you say of the coaches at large in terms of their development of high school players to prepare to play Division One football, and maybe some of the places where uh, they could use a little more work? Yeah, I think that just throughout the state. I mean, it doesn't matter where you go. I mean, I know they weren't able to have the MCA clinic. We did virtual clinics once a week all through the spring, and I think we averaged around seventy-five guys on those uh, virtual clinics. And so that speaks to the commitment that these guys have to their, to their programs and their players. And they want to be better. They want to be, uh, they want to bring new ideas. They want to, you know, have best practices in mind. And I think they take a lot of pride in that in this state. And it's, uh, everybody knows everybody. And I think that kind of breeds a certain type of competition and a really healthy type of competition, because it's not like you can, you know, hate somebody and never have to see them. You're going to have to sit down across from the doll league meeting or, you know, run into them at the grocery store or out on on the uh, on the Madison River fishing or something. And so I think everybody, there's kind of this esprit de corps within the coaching ranks in the state of Montana that I don't know exists a lot of places. A lot of them went to school together, kind of homegrown themselves. 
And so I think that really leads to uh, it's not just a football program in Helena or Great Falls or, or, or Dillon or Frenchtown. It's really um, kind of Montana football, if that makes sense, that these guys all take a great deal of pride in Montana football, and uh, they work together to make the game better. And I think that's interesting and unique for, uh, for our situation here in the state of Montana. And, uh, and, you know, kind of on the downside, I think it's just about, um, you know, really it's about promoting the game. And it's hard sometimes in smaller communities to get youth football going so, or flag football. And, uh, and there's so many different ways that kids are pulled nowadays. And I really believe that one of the things I talked about, that football community in Montana, I really think that's one of the things that we're going to have to do from Coach Alec, myself, all the Frontier Conference schools, all the way down to, to six-man football is we've got to do some things to help preserve this game and keep it, its popularity and its numbers going so that we can have these great classes that are, you know, have a bunch of kids that have an opportunity to go on and play Division One football. And so I think that's – if there's a downside, I think that's – we work together really well to make the product as good as we can make it. Now let's work together really well to, to promote this game and keep our numbers where they need to be. We get you out here on this, Jeff. One thing that I think is really fascinating is you saw the rise to national prominence of first Montana State, at least in the FCS level, in 1984, and then Montana 1995 with their national championship. But those have coincided with Missoula and Bozeman continuing to be such coveted places to live. And you've seen a lot of former players now stick around in those communities, stick around in the state of Montana in general. And when you look at your roster, for example, I think you got eight, maybe nine guys who's either dads or uncles, somebody that came before them playing for them. I know there's a couple kids now in this class too that have lineages within the programs what do you think of that dynamic and the fact that it seems as if there's even a little bit more guys that maybe have ties to the program strong ties from a family perspective how does that impact just recruiting and the way you guys go about uh maybe getting second generation bobcats yeah it doesn't hurt there's no question but they're not coming here if there's not a product that they that they look at and go yeah that's that's a place that i think i can be happy successful productive and they're committed to being great and, uh, and, you know, I, I do believe this. I think in a state like this, you know, there's going to be years where, hey, you know, these three kids, you can probably, if, if, if both programs are, are highly competitive and doing well, you can say, okay, these three kids are going to Montana, these three kids are going to Montana State, and then you got your toss-up kids that you got to work on, and, and whether it's the academic product or the location or, or uh, their opportunity to play on one side of the ball or the other, there's those other deciding factors. But um, it does mean more, I think, a lot of times when kids have grown up being, wanting to be Bobcats and, and we've got a lot of those kids in our program. And, um, you know, I'll tell you, I go around the country, I talk to a lot of guys, and they're like, how in the heck does a state with barely a million people have two really quality SCS programs in it and, and that both have a great number of Montana kids? And, you know, I think that's one piece. Kids grow. This means, it means a heck of a lot to them. It's like the old SEC says. It just, it just means more. It means more to be a Bobcat to these kids that have grown up wanting to be Bobcats. And, uh you know, they might not have five stars behind their name when they come out of high school, but they'll work hard. They'll do things the right way. And on Saturday when they get a, you know, carry that Montana flag out or have that Montana state across their chest, they're, they're going to represent it the right way. And they take pride in a tough, hard-nosed brand, blue-collar type mindset. And those guys really fit our program well. Montana State head football coach Jeff Choate on the roundtable with us. Coach, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You bet, guys. Take care. There you go, Jeff Choate. Appreciate him taking the time out and uh, and chatting with us, Coulter. And I think you know, pretty insightful on, like I said, some of that recruiting stuff. I thought that it was it was interesting to hear what he had to say and and what he said from his chair rings true with what we've discussed before. But when when Montana and Montana State 
or the two not professional, but they're the biggest thing that there is in this state, and really they're the biggest thing in anything that borders this state, it becomes the thing that you want to be. You know, if you're in New York, you want to be a professional, you want to play, you know, play to the Knicks or play to the Giants, something like that. If you're in Florida, you got all the schools to pick from. You got all the professional sports to pick from. In Montana, man, Cass and Grizz, that's what you want. That's what you grow up wanting to be and the desire to be that, that that's the fulfillment of the dream in many ways for youngsters as they come up playing whatever sport it is, is uh, it allows both schools to punch way above their weight class in terms of what they get out of kids from this state in the respective sports, whatever it is, obviously football we're talking about here, that they participate in. Think of a kid like Grant Collins, played a bit of linebacker at Montana State. And Grant had a great career. I mean, he's a four-year starter. He was ravaged by injuries, so he didn't reach the level that I think maybe people thought he would when he was... You know, I mean, he was he was class double-A defensive player of the year when he was 16 years old. He was really... Yeah. He was young for his class, and he was an animal in high school. And... Uh, I mean, he had Pac-12 offers, but he's from Bozeman, Montana, and his grandfather had played in Montana. So his father was such an amazing player, played at Arizona State, and then played for the New York Giants for several years before injuries effectively ended his career too. But that hometown deal, Grant grew up wanting to play for the Bobcats. He picks the Cats over. I mean, he had a chance to walk on at USC, and he picks the Cats. So that, right. I mean, that's that's pretty prestigious. But we've seen it happen across the board. I, I asked Choate that question about the the fathers and the uncles. Yes. Certain phenomenon are cyclical, but certain phenomenon also have center points that you can that you can identify as why they're happening as well. And I really do think that the rise of football and the rise of the colleges in Missoula and Bozeman it can be tied to. I mean, because they, they, the schools have been around for a hundred plus years each, but being on the national map is a place that's a quality place to live. That's been a pretty recent phenomenon for Missoula and Bozeman. It was sort of hidden gems for a long time. Now it's becoming more known about, which comes with pluses and minuses. But because of that, the local economies have grown and the opportunities have grown. And being a Grizz football player in Missoula, a former Grizz football player, you have a ton of opportunities. Yeah. Being a former Bobcat football player. I mean, I've talked to guys like Mitch Brott and Marcus Ferreter who went into construction engineering, civil engineering. And these guys, I mean, Caleb Stravis, for example, wins the Buck Buchanan Award. I mean, he's got a six-figure job waiting for him right when he gets out of college. He says, I'm not going to go to the Senior Bowl. My shoulder's shot. I'm good. I'm going to just go and take this great job and start building my life. And uh, that keeps former players home. So then all of a sudden when they have kids, those kids are going to be basically baptized in the love of these two programs. And we're seeing this on a really full scale right now. I mean, Jace Kluswich's dad played for the Grizzlies. He's committed to the Grizz. Dylan Rollins, his dad played for the Cats. We'll see if Dylan goes for the Cats. I don't think, I mean, I think he's going to go higher than that, but there's still strong ties for Dylan Rollins to right. Montana State. You know, you see, there's a lot of different kids in the state right now. Kenneth Iden's dad played for the Cats. He just committed to the Cats. That's a kid that probably could have gone a little bit bigger than Montana State. So it has a huge influence, and I think that right now we're kind of seeing this. Choate has almost double digits in guys that, that uh, have those family ties, yeah. but Bobby Houck has a bunch of guys like that too. I mean, the Chad Germer's son played for the Grizz for a moment. Obviously, Bobby Houck's own son plays for him and is a preseason All-American caliber player. So those are the things that really give Montana and Montana State such an edge because you're going to get, like you're saying, guys, if they grew up other places, they probably could go to to bigger schools, but that doesn't necessarily mean better. And we oftentimes see guys fulfill their full potential and then some because they're doing something that means so much to them. Stu Telenuanis, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. This has been the ESPN Roundtable. It's presented by Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls 
on the south end of town near the uh, intersection of Brooks and Reserve in Missoula, 3621 Brook Street. They're open morning, noon, and night, breakfast, lunch, dinner, regular happy hour, late happy hour, indoor, outdoor, all the games going on, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, MLB regular season, and in uh, eight days, the NFL kicks off. So it's all happening. Great time to go in and uh, sample the wares at Paradise Falls. They also have the uh, all the streaming abilities for football, volleyball, and soccer for almost all the high schools at the AA and B levels. So you can go watch high school sports right. at Paradise Falls, too. Just get a hold of somebody, say, put this game on the TV. The other thing that they've dove in full force, one thing that's been happening consistently despite the quarantine, despite the pandemic, has been the UFC. And Paradise Falls has become one of the best places to watch the UFC as well. So if there's ever a UFC fight, you don't need to call down there. They got it. They, they're going to have it for you no matter what. But they've been a stable in the Missoula community for 30 years. They've always taken great joy in hosting people around Missoula on game day Saturdays. That tradition is going to be silent for this fall, but that doesn't mean you can't go down to Paradise Falls on a Saturday. Even though the Grizz won't be in action, Paradise Falls would love to invite you to come watch football whenever football is broadcast. Whether you're in the mood for breakfast, lunch, dinner, or drinks, the wonderful staff at Paradise Falls will take care of you no matter what game you want to watch, high school all the way through the NFL. Come enjoy football throughout the fall in Paradise at Paradise Falls. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. It is time for a Wing It Wednesday, and we're going to transition into a new way of this little bit uh we've had a lot of fun with these trivia questions over the years and talking with all of you we're still very open to that but also uh well at the end of the day we know you want wings so we're just going to give them to you and uh coulter and i got some trivia questions for each other that we're going to play around with a little bit so here's the deal if you would like wings to the desperado 361-3688 you can call right now you don't even have to come on air okay we're just going to give them away 361-3688. You get yourself wings right now to the Desperado to the Desperado Sports Tavern. You can enjoy yourself over there. Get the best wings in the city of Missoula, the best wings according to you, the voting public, and uh enjoy what do they got about a, ten, maybe a dozen different styles of wings, sauces, and so forth. I'm into all of that. And hot teriyaki, though, that's the one we agree on most. Dude. Well, we're sharing. Give me that hot terry. Is there anything better than sweet and spicy in the world? I mean, it just reminds me of myself, and that's why I'm into <laughs> it. Uh, so, and also the dipped in ranch part is also very true of me. So, Coulter, here we go. Uh, you got some questions over there, and uh, you're going to try and uh, and stump me on this. You're the only Norwegian I know that can pull off sweet and spicy. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I married into it, let's just That's, say. That describes your wife very much yeah, more yeah, than yourself. Yeah, no question. I used to I used to be, you know, very Montana and I was like 
I don't want it to be spicy. You take the pepper off it, mm. you know. But well, now see, I'm, I've 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 grown in that respect in my life. Well, we got the southwestern roots, right? So mm. it's it's nothing but spicy at the Nuana's house. Well, I remember my aunt and my mom, my two aunts actually, and my mom uh, used to always order special order a big big boxes of of. Uh, Roasted green chilies oh, yes. from New Mexico. Yes, the hatch mm. green chilies. Oh, you bet. Well, I uh, I mean, there's certainly still a limit to it, but I'm I'm much better than I once was in terms of my spice tolerance and uh, even enjoyment thereof. Uh, speaking of, though, well, really not speaking of that at all, just a whole new thing. What are your questions, Coulter? Let's go. go. Can you stump me? I want to hear it. Let's go. Okay. What do you got? This is NBA, NBA titles by franchise. So titles. There's been, there's been 73 champions. By franchise. Okay. 73 championships won in the NBA ever. Okay, thirty-three of those seventy-three fr- of titles have been won by either the Lakers Boston or Celtics, Celtics or the Celtics. Yeah, the Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics or the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> gotcha. Boston Celtics, Los Angeles Lakers. Yep. Thirty-three out of seventy-three. Yeah. Okay. There have been three other franchises that have won at least five titles. No yep. more than six, but five. Yeah. Name two of those three franchises. The Bulls. The Bulls have won six. I think the Warriors. The Warriors are have there. won five, right? Because the Warriors won three most recently, and they also won one in Philadelphia, yeah, way back in the day, way back, yeah. And then they also won one with Rick Barry uh, when they first moved to Golden State, right after the merger. Okay, uh, and who else has won five or six titles? Um, I'll tell you, they I got mean, five. It's all within the last twenty-five years. Is it the Heat? It's They've got the heat. three, I think. He have, just, the heat have just three. three. Okay. It's all been in the last 25 years, huh? I mean, Houston's got a couple. The the Oh, it would be the Detroit Pistons. Nope. Really? The Pistons won two in the 80s and one in 2004. That's all. They made the finals many times. Well, not many times. I thought they went three straight in the 80s. Nope, two. And they only won one in that with that with Wallace the, with team? With the Billups. And, yeah. Just really? One. Yep. Um, I don't know. What is it? What's the third one? I got two anyway. Yeah, you so, did. You okay. did. So you're one for one. Uh, third one is San Antonio Spurs. Oh, well, that stands to reason, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, San Antonio. All right. Very good. All right. What else you got? There's only two NBA franchises that have won two titles. Just two. Okay. Name one of those two. Houston. Houston Rockets have won two NBA championships. Two and only two. Two and um, only two. Now, let me ask you this. The other team... Did they win it back-to-back, or is it separated by time? Mm, let me see real quick. Let me stat check for you. Um, I mean, I'm trying to. They won it. It was they, So this team went to the finals three out of four years. They won titles bookended. Okay. 1970 and 1973. I mean, the Sixers. Not the six. The Knicks. The New York okay. Knickerbockers. All right. Yep. Very good. All so right. you got, you, you, you're rolling. You get, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I asked for one. Of th- I mean, these no, are hard. No, so. you asked for two. Well, oh, okay. I, did, I did ask for two. Uh, oh, okay. I think so. Okay. It doesn't matter. I'll take, I'll take the little bump there. You gave me a little, you gave me, a, you gave me a time frame. I can get there with the seventies. All right. Okay. Um, there has been nine NBA franchises oh, brother. that have won just a single title. Yeah. Name? <laughs> How many am I going to make you name? Oh man, I don't. I'm going mean, to. I'm going to make you name five. Oh boy, you got it. You, you got this. I, I know you, you. You can get to five. I know you can get to five. Can I? Okay. Uh, Seattle. Seattle is is one. The Seattle SuperSonics won the title in 1977. Portland. 
excuse me, the uh, Su- Super Sox won in 1979. Portland won in 1977. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks? Are the they- Milwaukee Bucks won in 1971. They only won the one, huh? They won right. the one. Okay. They've been to the finals one time. Um, oh, that's not true. They went to the finals twice. They lost once. Lost in 1974. Okay, that's pretty good. Um, the Sixers? Philadelphia 76ers have won three NBA oh, championships. Shoot. They won in 55, 67 with Wilt Chamberlain, 83 with Julius Irving and Moses Malone. 55, huh? Okay. Yeah, not um, the Sixers. Uh, the Heat have won a couple. Yep. Did the Orlando Magic win one? The Orlando Magic have not. The Orlando Magic have been to the finals twice, have never won the NBA championship. Okay. Uh, I don't know that the Jazz have ever won it. The Utah Jazz have not. Those two franchises that you just named have the distinction of being two of only three franchises in NBA history to play in multiple finals and not win it. Have ever won one? Um, golly, the Pacers. The I Pacers don't think have never won. won one. Nope. So where does that leave us? Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I'm going to just tell you one of them. The Baltimore Bullets won in 1948. Oh, you ain't okay. getting that one. Yeah, thank the you. The Rochester Royals, who then became the Sacramento Kings, won in 1951. You ain't getting that one. The The ones that you could still get, the 1978 champions, that was after the merger because there was this anomalous era yeah. when the when the NBA and the ABA merged in 1976. Yeah. There was this anomalous era where you had multiple one-time winners that never then got better. The Sonics the Blazers, and then this team who won in 78. You might be able to get that one. The other one, the other two, though, I think that you should be able to get are... There's actually three pretty recent ones. Three times this decade, NBA franchises have won their first title. Is that right? I mean, the defending NBA champions. Right, Toronto. Sure, there's that's one. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah, okay. And the other two... So I'm, I, I, see, I do this by maps. I shut my eyes and I look around right. this map of the United States and Toronto doesn't fit in that map. So right. I can't pick the Toronto Raptors right. doing it with my method. I should well, have two other, my there's, there's two others that you can certainly get. Uh, that were in this decade, huh? In this decade. Man, this is pretty bad of me. I mean, these, are, these are landmark NBA titles. One, well, is, one was led by... One Cleveland would Cle- be one. Cleveland, bam, yeah. you got five. Okay, okay. all right. Do All right, want, who's the other one? The other one's the Dallas Mavericks. Mm, yeah, well, that's a good one, too. The Phoenix never won one, right? Yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix did never not won win one. So the one, the, the one I was looking for from the 70s was the Wes Unseld-led uh, Washington Wizards, which was the Washington Bullets at the time. Okay. All right. Uh, that's Pretty darn great. good. All right, very good. Uh, I got to tell you what. We've got a second set of wings for you. So we'll give away two in this uh, in this little segment right here. You don't got to do anything but call. 361-3688. If you'd like a basket of wings over the Desperado Sports Tavern, give us a shout. 361-3688. We will send you over for a dozen wings. Maybe we'll send you and a friend over for six wings. Maybe we'll send you and 11 friends each over for one wing. However you want to divvy them up, we don't judge here. You go ahead and you give us a call. 361-3688. You got the best wings in the city of Missoula coming to you over at the Desperado Sports Tavern. Uh, the gold, the Warriors franchise has lost in the finals five times. They've won six titles. They've lost in the finals five times. The Philadelphia 76ers and the New York Knicks have each lost in the finals six times. The Sixers have three titles. Knicks have two, but they've each lost in the finals six times. I think, Who holds the oh. NBA record for most losses in the NBA finals with a resounding 15 well, NBA finals losses? I mean, the Lakers? The Lakers. Yeah. Lakers are 16 and 15 in NBA Finals. They have been to the Finals 10 more times than the Boston Celtics and 20 more times than the Golden State Warriors. It's amazing. Although, 
up until this iteration of the Golden State Warriors, who are great, mm -hmm. I think people would have been shocked to imagine the Golden State Warriors had been to six or seven titles, whatever it was, prior to this this run that they've been on. I mean, 11 finals appearances is, is tremendous. I realize that you're going back quite a long yeah, ways. Four, they won in 47, lost in 48, yeah, won yeah, in 56, lost in 64, lost in 67. That prompted the Wilt Chamberlain trade. They won in 75, and then they've had this... Then they had this uh, massive gap, basically, and then they were winners in 15, 17, and 18, losers in 16 and 19. Tutel Nuanis, 1029 ESPN Radio. Good to be with all of you. We'll take a quick break. What's going on right now between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat? The Bucks trying to stay away from an 0-2 hole as the top seed in the East. I'll tell you how that's shaping up next. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Temperature is rising in the bubble. Game two of the Eastern Conference semis, Milwaukee and Miami. Now a six-point game, wildly entertaining second quarter that we got going on here. Uh, Lopez and Jimmy Butler are just about to uh, do a jump ball. This will be interesting. Uh, if you missed anything in the first hour of the show, you check it out on the podcast. The Two Tell Nuanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to your podcast anywhere, anytime you would like to. The podcast available all the time. Rate, review, subscribe, and uh, you can check this thing out. The podcast has been up now. This is pretty cool, Coulter. The podcast uh, in this, since we, I guess, it's, it's been the same podcast for a long time, but but uh, with our, we started with a new hosting server on the back end or whatever you know i don't know i don't know how to talk about this stuff i mean we could do a comedy show on what led to that the limited knowledge that i well no us. no i mean the the oh the move the the, shift. the, the walking around the sixty-five thousand square foot Las Vegas Convention Center. Oh yes, with one Tommy Evans. Yes, and going up and and they think that they're selling you something. And mo almost every person that's going to go up to the podcast hosting places, there's. I mean, the person's going to just be talking a million miles per hour. I don't understand half of what they're saying. Sounds good. You're going to give me this, this many megabytes. All great. Watching boy genius Tommy Evans just twist these people into a straight pretzel. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, so what are you going to do for me here? What are you going to do for me here? Why don't I just build my own thing? Right. So that everybody's like, well, Mr. Evans, we'll get you this, we'll get you that. And so it ended up that we actually found somewhere that uh, did build us our, our own custom network, which is pretty cool. But uh, Pretty slick. It is sweet. And thanks, everybody, to listen, for listening. It's uh, it's always great to know that people are listening to you. So many people listen to us live. That's awesome. Yep. But I love that people can listen to us not live as well. Whatever they want, sure. And it gets us in a lot of other markets, and we have a lot of loyal listeners out there, too. So I know that there's a lot of people, particularly in Bozeman, Helena, the Bitterroot, loyal And listeners. South Africa. And South Africa, yeah. that's right. Uh, the one thing uh, that I was going to mention, though, is so coming up here in about two weeks, 
um, will be the one-year anniversary of being at this site. Now, that, that means nothing to anyone, including myself, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> but it's easy to track now a year's worth of this uh, uh, podcast. And we are on track for about 125,000 downloads uh, over the course of the past year. And in a state that has uh, nary a million folks in it, uh, that's pretty good, and so I just want to—we just want to say thanks and uh, tip of the cap to all of you for 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 playing along with us, having some fun on the radio, having some fun on the uh, internet, and uh, and we appreciate that. The podcast, by the way, is brought to you by Blackfoot Communications. So uh, there you go, uh, Coulter. Game two. Uh, we are in basically the final possession of the first half right now. Milwaukee with the basketball. They are in a nine-point hole. There's been some foul trouble. Chris Middleton has had uh, a hole, uh, has three fouls here in this first half. Eric Bledsoe just drove, scooped, and scored and was fouled. So he will step to the line and try and cut the deficit to six with about seven seconds remaining in the half. Big-time bucket for the uh, Bucks. This second quarter has been great fun. And Gord uh, Drogic has been just filling it up from outside, and Chris Middleton has gone ahead and uh, and jumped back in there. But Eric Bledsoe from Milwaukee carrying the load, while Giannis Tentacumpo has been sitting on the sidelines here in a little bit of foul trouble himself the last couple of minutes of uh, of this first half. So a great game. Let me ask you this: You said before this game began that you thought the Milwaukee Bucks were you're going to ultimately come out of this that Giannis and, and then would find a way. I totally agree with that. Uh, it's a, it's a six point game right now as we play the final seconds of the first half in the event that the heat win game two, does that change your belief about who's coming out of this series? I think what you said earlier is um, it's such a point that's worth remembering and emphasizing. Oh, two, is a tough hole when you're talking about traditional seven game series. It's a nearly impossible hole if you drop the first two on the you're on your home court, yes, yes, and then have to go on the road. I don't think it's panic time in, until you're down two games or more with three games or less to play. So I don't think you're in panic mode if you're the Bucks until you're down three nothing. Your or point is that two nothing is not nearly as big a hole as three one. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I also think that I mean NBA games are so long, man. It's easy to forget when you just you get in the flow of college basketball because so much of college basketball momentum, who has the upper hand, you can you can tell so often who's going to control the game for pretty much the duration, particularly when it comes to the teams that we cover so heavily too. Because Montana State's such a shooting team, mm-hmm. so you can tell if they're on or off pretty early. Mm-hmm. And Montana is such a deliberate team and you can tell when they're locked in and when they're locked in they're just going to grind you all the way so you don't really ever have to have moments of panic the Grizz hardly ever have to like make these runs they're always just kind of they either got your their, your hand or their hand around your throat or they don't but in the NBA the games are so long right now at halftime heater up 66 to 60 it's, it's just such a, a a negligible deficit having been tracking this game too uh throughout the course of this first half the Milwaukee Bucks are going in feeling very good yeah. that they are down only six because yeah. this game was double digits at one point mm-hmm. and Dragic was absolutely on fire and and honestly Giannis did not have his best half of basketball and Middleton stepped up Bledsoe stepped up to make this a six point game and like you said I mean six points is is just nothing right. when you talk about a half of NBA basketball I mean really, really uh, you got to have a twenty in my I think you have to have a twenty to twenty two point lead. 
in the NBA for it to be a dominant lead. Yeah. Because NBA right. teams can literally go on 18 nothing runs in the span of 10 possessions. I mean, it, the game is so fast with a short shot clock and the three-point shot now. Yeah, it, it, it you're right about that. And so six points isn't much, but also is more about momentum that was picked up at the end of that half on a couple of good defensive stops by Milwaukee and then a, uh, a, a couple of misses on Miami that they had not been missing and uh, able to close the gap there for the Bucks. Uh, again, game seven tonight between the Oklahoma City Thunder and Houston Rockets. Uh, we will take you to the bubble here on ESPN Radio in about a half an hour from now at 6.30. Uh, the pregame begins for that open tip at seven o'clock on espn television and here on espn radio you asked me who i got in that game i told you i got houston i know who you want in this game but who do you got i have the thunder yeah i think that when when you got a dead man walking it's one of the worst things Mike D'Antoni is not going to be the coach of the Houston Rockets next year because there's just no feasible way the Houston Rockets could win the nba title and that's the only way he's not going to get fired and I just think that when when that narrative exists, it it really impacts the level of effort that you're going to get from your dudes. I, I, I just I, I don't think that game James Harden and Russell Westbrook will be in full game seven ferocity oh, mode. I, I totally disagree with you in the in the in the instance of Westbrook. I, I agree. I mean, Russ is there mentally, but you could tell he's hurt. Man, he was shooting a lot yeah. of pull up shots. He's not a hundred percent. I'm never going to dog on Westbrook because he's a ferocious athlete. But he's hurt. You can tell he's hurt. Yeah, and I, I got no idea, and I mean that. I'm not sitting here implying that it's not good, the, the relationship between D'Antoni and, and Harden. But I think Harden, I think Harden's got something to prove uh, yeah. tonight to himself and to everybody else, frankly, and what he is in, in situations like this. So we'll we'll see. It'll be a fun game regardless, even if it's a horrendous game to watch because it's the Houston Rockets. Uh, all right. Fun Wednesday. Thanks for being here, boys and girls. We'll catch you again tomorrow. Until then, enjoy game two. and Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.